Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. Uh, What a different week we've gone through. You know, a few weeks ago, we had that warm, warm spell, and we were talking about maybe open water fishing would be here earlier. And then we had an extreme cold set in, and a lot of things refroze. And now we're headed a little cool this weekend, but extremely warm. It's going to be in the 50s, I think, after starting Monday for as far out as I looked at the schedule, even close to 60. So I think we're finally going through a transition. Doesn't mean we won't have cold weather and things won't change on us yet, but we're going to cover a lot of ground today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the ice fishing on the front range. It's kind of sketchy right now. I probably would... uh, would avoid it myself. I know there's spots where it seems safe, but it gets so difficult to judge the ice when it thaws and refreezes. Uh, and it's very, you know, we just don't want anybody to have a tragedy. Open water is coming. There's going to be some shore fishing available, and we're going to get to that, talk about that today. Uh, we're going to just, we're going to talk about the big game draw, which it starts, you know, you can start sending in your big game draw on Monday. We'll talk more about that, and then we'll talk some about some fly fishing down in the Arkansas River, and we're also going to talk uh, ice fishing up in the mountains because we have several weeks of really good, some of the best ice fishing of the year coming up in the mountains. And along that line, let's go to the phones, and joining us from Fishing with Bernie is Dan Shannon. Good morning, Dan. Morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing really well, and... As much as the ice fishing is going to deteriorate here on the front range, it probably already has. At least I think I would be pretty skeptical about going out. And we're going to see open water starting to appear with these warm temperatures. Big lakes up in the mountains, especially like Granby, Blue Meso, Williams Fork, Wolford. I mean, those lakes up there, substantial waters, take a while to freeze. But when they do, they stay frozen for a while. You're probably headed for one of your best times of the ice fishing year aren't you we are we are the bite is actually starting to pick up already as we head into march march is definitely one of our favorite times of the year to get out there the the snow starts to melt a little bit we get a little bit of extra runoff coming in a little early runoff coming into the lakes and i think the bite in march and into early april can be the best some of the best times of the year well it really has in fact you guys are experiencing some pretty good fishing right now both numbers and big fish let's talk a minute about big fish because you know most people really want to just go catch fish but everybody wants that dream in the back of their mind of catching a big fish i talked to you earlier in the week and you said you had caught a 41 and a half inch 30 pound lake trout on granby are you seeing numbers of big fish this winter and do you expect it to pick up um we started January was excellent for for the big fish. That's a, that's our typical early ice bite for the big fish. It started out really well. We went through a period there in early February where the bite got very difficult. We were working hard to get one to two bites from good fish in a day. Here in the last week or two, it's really it's started to pick up. I think that's our going to be our trend as we move into March. So last week or two, we've been we've been averaging five to seven bites a day from from trophy sized fish, and and put on the put put that forty one and a half incher on the ice. That's uh that's the biggest fish I've I've uh, ever had a client catch. So it's a pretty special fish. 
Now, how about numbers? Have you been seeing numbers all along? Or are they picking up what's happening with numbers of fish? The numbers have been pretty consistent. Um, the thing that we've been finding is that you need to find fish that are willing to bite. You can find fish out throughout the lake. Uh, the thing about ice fishing is you find fish anywhere from shallow 20-foot depths all the way down to 100-foot depths. Once the water temperature is all the same temp, it's now you just got to move around to find the fish that want to bite that are in that position part of the lake where where they're actually feeding instead of just just in their their rest mode. You know that's a pretty good point. That applies to big fish too. That people think of lake trout as this deep fish. You got to be 100, 200 feet deep, but Lake trout can't tolerate water over 55 degrees. It's actually lethal to them if it's extended periods of time. So when the surface water is warm, they tend to go deep. They're more comfortable. They love cold water. But when the water, like you mentioned, throughout the lake is 40 degrees or colder, they'll be anywhere. And this opens up an opportunity for the big fish and the numbers of fish to feed on other other things like trout and uh, kokanee and things so that it gives them that opportunity. So you oftentimes find them shallower than people think, don't you? Absolutely. That shallow bite, especially in the low light periods of the day, uh, you know, lake trout are predator fish. They're up in there looking for that one big easy meal. It takes a, it takes a few calories to keep that fish that's, that's 30 inches or larger uh, fed and, and, and going. So they, they tend to at times look for that, that one larger meal versus eating a whole bunch of little meals. Yeah, uh, you know, don't we all, you know, and, and it, this time of the year, a lot of times you won't find the small fish with the big fish because they become lunch for the big fish, right? What? Absolutely, and that's something that uh, you, you tend to see on some of the other lakes besides Granby, like Williams Fork. Uh, those fish out there, they tend to be in the, the big fish. You'll find them in the, some of the same locations that you do with the smaller fish because they're, they're uh, eating each other. Yeah, it really. Ha- Before we get into what's happening in some of the other lakes, Let's talk about, if I want to come up to Granby and fish for lake trout, give me a couple ideas. First, a numbers fish, and how many, if you get into them, how many can you catch, and what type of techniques would you use? But then how would you change that if you're targeting big fish? So right now, as we head into March, there's a really good suspended fish bite as we get to that to farther into into March, as we get into the more spring conditions. So as we're chasing the suspended fish, we're going out over deep humps, um, in that hundred, we're out in 100, 110 feet of water, but we're looking for the fish that are cruising. So we're fishing suspended presentations like small bucktail jigs, uh, spoons, small paddle tails like that Kitek minnow, um, and things along that line. Looking, looking up in the water column, really using our electronics, watching the vexilar, and we'll be dropping those baits down to the bottom, reeling them up, watching for the chasers, and working the fish that are up in the water column. Um, I think this happens primarily because the kokanee move out there and the other fish suspended, so the lake trout follow them out. It can be, it can be a really fun bite because it's like playing a video game with your electronics. Now, do you do a different presentation for the big when you're fish versus when you're fishing the numbers? So when I fish, I don't necessarily do a different presentation. We kind of we change the locations that we're at. We more target as we get in, we start targeting the same locations you would fish for rainbow trout in. So like the mouths of creeks, uh, where the water's starting to come in, where there's extra oxygen, extra food for the rainbow trout, we'll start fishing uh, probably less than 20 feet of water, pretty common, looking for the larger fish. The same thing with the large large rainbow trout imitation, big bucktail jigs, um, and like the larger larger paddle tails, um, 
flukes, things along those lines. Now, how long would you expect Granby to have some substantially pretty good fishing? And then I want to kind of get an update on some of the other lakes. Uh, is it going to April? It's probably about done before the end of April. How long do you anticipate it? I would anticipate we're going to be, we're right now we're sitting about 16 to 18 inches of ice on most of the lake. Um, we're, not having, we're not seeing significant slush, so I don't know if we're going to get uh, the really big, big thicknesses over up to two feet. So we, we'll more than likely have ice, I'm going to guess, at least until the first week of April um, and possibly longer depending on, on some, how the weather shapes up as far as the warm. And you mentioned there isn't a lot of slush. That really makes getting around on Granby a lot easier, doesn't it? Oh, man, it makes your life so much easier. It's Right now, travel is excellent. You can travel the lake. There is some small slush pockets as you get towards the larger bays, back towards like a Rapco Bay. But really, uh, this has been an exceptional year for lack of slush and lack of deep snow. So travel's good. Lots of machines out there, ATV snowmobiles. It was so really nice you- to see after last year. Oh, you bet. Why don't you take us to some of the other lakes in your area and what's going on with them, like William Forks, Grand Lake? So Grand Lake right now, um, the the snow is actually building there, and we're having a little bit more slush problems on Grand Lake. The bite remains consistent. It's uh, primarily for us, it's a numbers numbers fish. Um, We don't do a lot with the big fish on Grand Lake just because of the structure and the way the lake shapes up uh, through the ice anyways. Rainbows and browns have been good. They're up in the rocks in that sub-20 feet of water. We're kind of seeing them out a little deeper right now. Um, And going over to Williams Fork, the bite over there has been pretty consistent all year. Um, The guides over there, uh, Sam and Rhett, they've been working hard. I've been seeing some really, really good fish coming out for the big fish, and they're talking about pretty decent numbers over there. Um, what they are finding, though, is it's kind of the same thing on Grandview, is that they're, they need to work and work the locations to find the fish that are willing to bite, as well as change that presentation. Um, the takeaway game with the spoons has really been working well for them as far as number way, numbers uh, fishing for lake trout. On, on Williams Fork, are you starting to see a pike bite pick up, or are they in such a different location this time of the year and you're concentrating on the lake trout? This time of year, we concentrate on the lake trout. We usually start looking a little bit more for pike as we get towards the end of the ice season. That that late spring, kind of when when the snow is off of the lake, um, then we then we start chasing the pike up in the shallow. Same thing. They'll they'll start moving into where where they're going to be in their spawning beds, their spawning areas. So they're going to move up into the shallower areas where the creeks are coming in as well. What about some of the other lakes around the area? You've got Wolford, you've got Willow Creek. What's going on and anything else up there? Um, Willow Creek has been pretty consistent. I've been hearing uh, a decent number of kokanee being caught out there, which is which is good to hear out of Willow Creek. Um, same thing with Wolford. Wolford uh, is, is fishing really well for kokanee in the big bay there by, by the dam. Um, the typical stuff, the jigging machines, you got to move around to find them. Once you find where the fish are and they want to move, they seem to be starting to see some good numbers come out of there. Any other uh, opportunities up there we should bring up? Well, the the rivers are going to start to to run um, depending on on which, which part of the county that you're in out here. Um, don't don't be afraid to get out and fish the rivers. You might want to do it early rather than later before the big runoff because we have some potential for some ash to start running through the rivers after the fires from the from the fall 
Yeah, I could imagine that. That's something we're going to have to keep in touch with you and a lot of people around the state is that what's the impact of the runoff on those fire areas? We had some huge burns in the state and could impact a lot of fishing and a lot of just total outdoor activity. I mean, well, Forest Service could close some lands. Dan, if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to book a trip, how do they get a hold of you guys? You can find us on Facebook, uh, Fishing with Bernie. Same thing, uh, fishingwithbernie.com. And on Instagram at uh, Fishing with Altitude or Fishing with Bernie. All right. And, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us an update. You're fishing one of my favorite areas in the state. It's such a such a great, great place to go fishing. We'll have you on again real soon. So if things change or if there's any dr- drastic differences, give me a holler and we'll, we'll report it out to people. That sounds good, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. All right, thanks. That's Dan. Dan Shannon from Fishing with Bernie. I'll tell you, what a bunch of great guys up there. And, uh, you know, Granby for the longest time has been one of my favorite lakes in the state. I travel so much, I don't get to fish it as much as I used to. By the way, if you want to see some of the fishing at Granby, uh, go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and you'll find that um, we've got Ice Fishing with Bernie and the guys from Sun Power Sports up there, a couple shows like that. Uh, we've got summer fishing with uh, Fishing with Bernie guys up there on Grand Lake and Granby. And we've got three or four shows. One of them's kind of a mix of all the seasons. Some are just open water. Some are just ice fishing. But I'll tell you, uh, we didn't capture it on film, but we have a picture of it in one of the shows up there. Karen and I were up there hunting big fish with Bernie once. And uh, we caught four fish over 20 pounds. Two of them we caught at the same time. Now, we caught more fish than that. But we had two in the net at the same time that they took a picture of Karen and I holding both of them. She claims hers is bigger, but if you look at the picture, she's giving me a look right now. It's obvious that mine's a little bigger than hers. I'll probably hear about that after the show, even though Bernie measured hers as being longer. But check out the YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. You'll find so much fishing from right here on the Front Range there. And then follow us on Facebook. If you followed us on Facebook, you would have known that Dan Shannon was going to be on this morning to give this update, and we'll probably post this podcast up on our Facebook channel, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're going to take a quick time out, and we come back. Parks and Wildlife is going to join us, and we're going to talk about the big game license applications coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. I tell you what, a little later on in the show, we're going to talk to the folks from Jack's about getting geared up for the upcoming open water season. But whatever you do outdoors, Jack's can take care of you, and they have stores up and down the front range. Just stop in one, take a look around. You will be amazed and pleasantly surprised. Let's go to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is uh, Danielle Eisenhart. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on. No problem. You know, I don't know why we have to go over any of these licensing things. There's been nothing going on. We haven't had thousands of new people going outdoors. There were no fires. There was no COVID. We haven't had the regulations kind of change over the last couple of years. Why would we have to talk about this? (laughs) I love the sarcasm. Yes, it's been a very busy year and gearing up for 2021 now. Yeah, it has been challenging. I mean, and there's been changes, but Colorado still has some of the best big game opportunities in the United States, both draw and over the counter. And our draw starts, I believe, Monday. It opens up. 
and there are some changes, and there were some things that happened last year. So why don't you kind of lead us into what we need to know? Absolutely. Um, so not a whole lot of new changes this year, luckily, as far as applications go. They do open up on Monday, March 1st, and they close on April 6th. Um, a couple small changes that we've made for this year. Um, a fall turkey license will be allowed to be a qualifying license for our secondary draw. So that's one change to keep in mind for the secondary draw. And then also we have now allowed gift certificates, CPW gift certificates, to be used for all purchases. So you can even use one that's on your file to pay for a license that you draw in the upcoming primary or secondary draw. Now, a lot of people may be looking at big game hunting for the first time, or it's been many, many years for them. We had, because of COVID, we had a lot of people get out into the outdoors and every indication is that a huge percentage of them even when covid relaxes intend to keep enjoying the outdoors and reinvigorated or them into things they used to do or brought them back the things they did in the past maybe you should explain the qualifying license just briefly in case some of these people are applying for the first time sure so to apply in any of our limited license draws you have to first purchase a qualifying license, which are typically our small game, our small game fishing combos, or our spring turkey licenses. And that makes you eligible to enter in the draw after you pay your application fees. Um, so those are the two fees that you would pay up front, the qualifying license, your habitat stamp, and the application fee. And then from there, um, if you're successful in the draw, you would pay for that um, species license after the draw is complete. We also, yeah, so as you mentioned, have over-the-counter licenses and leftover licenses after the draws are complete, and those don't require the purchase of a qualifying license. All right. Now, if if I'm going to either get into the draw or hunt big game this year, what are the qualifications? What do I? Is there an age qualification? Is there? Do I need any kind of certificates? What do I need to to be able to buy a big game license? You have to be 12 years of age to hunt big game in Colorado. You can hunt small game at a younger age, but for big game, it's 12. And then you also have to have a hunter education certificate um, unless you're old enough to be um, opted out of that program. We also have some apprentice certificates that you can use for first-time hunters for two years without the hunter ed Um so, yeah, just visit our website to kind of look at some of those hunter ed requirements to see if you will need that certificate or not to apply. Yeah, I tell you what, it's it's probably going to be an interesting draw season this year because a lot of people had their hunts either had to cancel or change their hunts uh, because of COVID and fires. Uh, I, I guess we don't know what the COVID restrictions will be by the time we get to big game season. Hopefully most of that will be behind us. But what about people affected by the fires? They're going to be eligible for a, a guaranteed license this year. Is that right? So for our sheep, goat, and moose hunters that were impacted by the 2020 fires, they have been allowed to have a guaranteed license for the same unit, same method of take, same species um, and sex as they had in 2020. But, again, that's only for sheep, goat, and moose. 
um, for our deer, elk, bear, etc., they were offered a refund and their points back so they can apply again this year for that unit or another unit that they're interested in. And do you are we're not aware of this time right now of any like forest service closures or anything because of the fires and we probably won't know. Is that going to affect people applying for the draw? Well, we're optimistic that things will be much better this year, but yes, we will be having some meetings with forest service folks here in the next few months um, after things warm up and they can actually get out on the landscape and, and take a look and decide whether they want to open those lands to hunting or not. Um, but we're optimistic that this year will be much better than 2020. Now, you mentioned the secondary draw. There's been a few changes there, too, I believe, hasn't there? Um, we did shorten the the timeline where you can apply for the secondary draw to two weeks, and we did that um, so that we could get more of the licenses that are not issued through the draw, um, through the draw included in that secondary draw. So we had to compress kind of that application window in order to do that um that's the main change with secondary draw um this will be the second year we'll be running a secondary draw instead of the leftover draw um the big thing with the secondary draw is you don't have to apply in the primary draw to apply in the secondary draw and we also expanded the species included in the secondary draw to include bear and pronghorn you know, speaking of bear, we have a robust bear population in Colorado. If somebody wants to hunt bear, is there ways other than the draw? Absolutely. A lot of our bear tags are unlimited over the counter. They can be purchased starting in August. Um, also, for folks that have a deer or an elk um, archery or muzzleloader license, we have add-on bear opportunities that are also unlimited. And those are notated in our brochure with a bear paw symbol next to those hump posts. And any other changes now to the licensing? You told me there's something about maybe the reissue or the release times. Is that what you were talking about, the secondary draw? And there's a, we talked earlier, and there'll be a way to preview that. So you can get the primary, the secondary draw. Of course, we've got the over-the-counter. If licenses don't go in the primary and secondary, there'll still be a leftover license sale. Is that right? Correct. And the big change this year is to our reissue process. So if hunters draw a license, but then they decide they can't use it or they don't want to hunt, they can return it. And then those return licenses get reissued to anyone who wants to purchase them. Um, previously, we used to release those licenses randomly throughout the week. Um, but this year we have changed to a set release time of 11 a.m., starting at 11 a.m., every Wednesday. So those reissues start around August 10th. So every Wednesday starting after August 10th, um, we would be reissuing those licenses starting at 11 a.m. There will also be a preview list the day before on Tuesdays so that folks can see what licenses will become available at that time and whether or not they want to be primed and ready to try to pick one of those licenses up. Now the last thing, we got a minute or two left, um, a lot of people are going to be new to this process this year, and a lot of people maybe even aren't even familiar with it. The Really, the best way to do all this is online, but whether online or not, Parks and Wildlife really has a lot of resources to help people, don't you? Absolutely. So we have people in our call center. We call hunt planners that are 
specifically trained to help new hunters and people that are trying to figure out what to do and how to apply. Um, and then if you're a data nerd like me, we have lots of interesting hunting statistics that are also posted in our on our website, um, including like our draw recap reports, drawn out reports, seeing how many preference points it took last year to draw certain licenses. So I'd encourage folks to check those out. And then the other big reminder that I always preface it is try to apply early. Um, if you apply early and have any kind of problems, either logging on or have any questions, then we have time to help you. Um, unfortunately, we see a lot of people procrastinate and try to apply the last couple hours um, on the deadline day, and then they run into issues, and sometimes we're not able to help them out. So apply early. Also make sure that your um, your account is up to date, including your credit card, your email, and your phone number. If for some reason we run into issues processing payment for your licenses, we'll be reaching out by phone and email. So we just want to make sure all of those things are updated for you. All right. Great information. We are running out of time, but thank you so much, Danielle, for joining us. And hopefully we'll get a lot of people out enjoying hunting in Colorado this year. Thank you, Terry. Have a good one. You bet. Danielle Eisenhardt from Parks and Wildlife. If you've never been on Parks and Wildlife's website looking at the resources, if you're planning any kind of hunt, small game, big game, upland game, waterfall, there's harvest information for different areas. There is so much to help you out and guide you. Spend a little time, especially now in the off-season, and and get on there and make some notes. You'll be amazed how much you can learn and how much information is out there. We're going to take a quick time out. we come back, we're going to talk about the fishing report right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, locations up and down the front range to help you with your outdoor needs. Let's go right to the phones, and joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Chad Hanna. Good morning, Chad. Good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? You know, I'm doing well. It's a little cloudy, but it's supposed to get nicer tomorrow, and then next week is supposed to be phenomenal and we've had a lot of people fishing all winter. There's been some fly fishing, tailwaters and things. And, of course, a lot of ice fishing. <clears throat> Every now and then a snippet of open water. But with this nice weather that's coming, I think we're going to see the open water really start to take off. And with all the new anglers that came into the system last year, I think a lot of them maybe don't ice fish. And they're, they're chawing at the bit to get out there. And Parks and Wildlife has some tools to help them be successful, don't they? We do. We provide a CPW fishing report, um, and that can be found on our website at cpw.state.co.us. You can also sign up for uh, the email, and it's also provided on the CPW phishing app, uh, which is free to the public as well. And I'll, I'll let people know, too, that we get the fishing report. It comes out every two weeks. And Karen, who produces this show, as soon as she gets it, posts it on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, so you can link to it there also. You know, and let's kind of talk about what's in the fishing report and how people use it. First, what kind of information will I find when I open the fishing report? So when you first open up your fishing report, you're going to see kind of like news and information around the state pertaining to angling. Um, We dive right into the stocking report. 
And so we were reporting on bodies of water that were stocked um, the week or two previous to when the report is published. So those are confirmed bodies of water that have been stocked. Um, and then we link those bodies of water to the CPW Fishing Atlas. Um, that way, folks, if they're not familiar with places to go, they can use that atlas and see exactly on a map where we've stocked those bodies of waters and where they can go catch some stocked rainbow trout. Now, before we move on to other information in the report, the stocking, I think years ago I used to hear people say, oh, they sneak around and stock. They don't want to let us know. That's not the case at all. These trout, now, the, the trout were heavily stocked last fall for ice fishing, so I think this year it's a different topic. There's going to be a lot of holdover trout that weren't caught, but you are actively stocking right now, or you will be shortly if you're not, and you want people to go out and harvest those fish, don't you? We do, yes. So we do have year-round stocking. Um, it's pretty incredible to watch our hatcheries crews um, even do, like, winter stocking under the ice at some times. Um, so we do want people to go out. Um, that's a resource that we're putting out there for the people to sport fish. Um, and like you said, we want you to go out there with your friends, your family, and catch those fish and have a good time. And when you're catching, we actually did a cooking segment with Chad LaChance on these stock trout last week. When you're actually catching these stock trout, I mean, we always practice um, understanding the harvest, selective harvest. You know, if you're in a pristine river with a limited number of fish, maybe you shouldn't harvest. If you're in a lake that has big fish and moderate-sized fish, maybe let the big fish go. But these stockfish, even the ones that hold over and grow bigger, are really meant to be harvested, taken home, and eaten as part of the experience. That is correct, Terry. That is correct. So now you've got the stocking report in there, but you've got other condition reports in the fishing report, too. What else is in there? So once you get through the stocking report, uh, we do conditions based on the regions. Um, so you have the metro, northeast, southeast, northwest, southwest. And basically we report on a various um, varying bodies of water in those regions. Um, we'll report on the, so this time of year, ice conditions. How thick is the ice? Is it um, safe to be on that core thing? But also what's working well. Um, what jigs are working, what baits are working, uh, what depth of water should you be targeting for certain species within that body of water. Um, so, again, it kind of gives um, novice anglers and those who just aren't quite sure of conditions of an area, it gives them the ability to read up on it and do a little, um, as we call it, e-scouting before you actually even get your boots on the ground. Now, where does that information come from? How do you gather that? So we have a variety of contributors, including our park staff, uh, park rangers and biologists. We also have various um, bait shops, fly shops, um, guiding companies who help contribute to the conditions reports. Um, and anybody can submit us conditions. We have the fish reporter email, um, and that is uh, located on the fishing report, dnr underscore fish dot reporter at state.co.us and folks can submit catch of the week photos to us uh, through that email as well um, and so we're always looking forward to hearing from our constituents of their fishing adventures now that report comes out every two weeks on a friday we post it on our facebook page so the information at times can be a little dated however 
it really gives you a starting place about places where there was activity, what was going on. You may have to change your tactic when you get there, but at least you know there's been activity, there's things going on. It really gives you a starting point. But another uh, tool that you have, well, we've still got a couple minutes left that really can help you, is the, your free fishing app. Correct. The CPW Fishing app uh, can be downloaded for free um, in whatever whatever app store that you use, um, and it is a great resource for anglers. It has the CPW Fishing Atlas built into it, which is basically a GIS layered map. Um, so it'll show you fishing points. It'll give you information on that fishing spot, um, special regulations that may be involved, uh, species that are held in that body of water. Um, and then within the app, you can also have a journal, record where you've been, what species you've caught, and depending on the length, um, the size that you enter into that, it can qualify you to then submit it as your master angler right through the app. Yeah, it's a great app. I have it on my cell phone. You know, cell phones have become such an important part of the outdoors, and there's so much information. You might be driving by a body of water and wonder about it. Well, you can pull over. Don't do it while you're driving. Pull out the app, and you can look at that body of water, and it'll actually give you all that information. And you'll think, well, wow, that's someplace I need to come back and fish, or maybe I'm looking for a place to fish. I can go there now. Or you could be home on your computer and plan your fishing trip. I want to take one minute to talk about one other resource that I think is wonderful you guys have online, and that's the biologist online surveys. Tell me about those. Right. So we have the uh, fisheries survey summaries. Um, and so our fisheries biologists conduct um, lake and stream surveys every year, hundreds of them. And so we provide those fishery summaries, fish survey summaries to the public. Um, and so they'll kind of talk about general information about fishing the particular body of water at that location and access. Um, but then it also highlights detailed information regarding fishery management aspects. Um, and so some waters that are used more brood waters, those are going to be surveyed closer to annually, where other smaller bodies of water, ones that are not trafficked as much, those may get surveyed every five to 10 years. Uh, but all those yeah. surveys are available on our website. And it's tremendous information about species, the abundance of the species, the average size. Just gives you so much information. Last but not least, new fishing licenses. My license expires the end of March, but if you don't have one, I believe you can buy an annual one starting in March, and it's good through the end of next March. Is that right? Absolutely, Terry. Yep, our licenses will go on sale here, the new ones, and they will be valid March 1st through March 31st of 2022. So be sure to go out there and get yourself your new fishing license. And then while you're at it, make sure you grab your new regulation brochure. Uh, there's a few new things out there, and those are available hard copies, uh, as well as a PDF version, too, that you can just have downloaded on your phone. All right. We're out of time, but Chad, thank you so much. I hope people take advantage of these tools and all the new anglers we have in the state get out there and really have a, a good time. And we, we, just want, we want them to catch fish. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Terry. You bet. Chad Hanna. We're going to take a quick time out. And speaking of catching fish, Greg Felt from Ark Anglers is going to join us. And the Arkansas River, it's fishing pretty well right now, but it is ready to take off. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Well, I'm standing on a corner 
Sorry, with some outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from southern Colorado, um, from Arc Anglers, is Greg Felt. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Terry. You know, you happen to live and work by one of the most famous rivers in the in the world, almost, in the United States. And as as much as it gets attention, sometimes I think up in the front range, People don't understand the Arkansas and what a year-round potential it is. What what's going? Let's kind of go through what's going on right now and what we're looking at coming up. Sure thing, Terry. I think um, I think you're right. You know, this river is a is a freestone river, and generally in Colorado, a lot of those experience a lot of ice issues in the in the winter time because of fluctuating water temperatures. Down here on the Arkansas, we're not immune to that, but we have quite a nice section from sort of below Browns Canyon through the first 25 miles of Bighorn Sheep Canyon. It's probably about 40 miles of river that really stays wide open all winter and um, has a lot of good sun exposure and pretty pretty active fish and aquatic insects throughout the winter months. You know, it's I love winter fly fishing. I think too many people put away their long rods and i'm an ice fisherman too but too many people put away their long rods in the winter and i i know a lot of them are fly tires and things like that but boy with covid and everything getting out and winter fishing some of my best experiences now it's different but i know you and i were talking earlier in the week and you mentioned those fish are kind of bunching up right now in the lower in some of the deeper pools and boy when you get on some of those it's usually a nymphing type activity but you can have so much success greg no, that's absolutely right, Terry. Particularly, you know, with a largely brown trout fishery, what we find is sort of this annual tidal movement of the fish where about in, during the month of November, they migrate into that deeper, slower winter water and kind of hunker down there uh, until about the middle of March or so. And then they disperse back out into all that great pocket water that the Arkansas River is so famous for. So if it's really true in the winter months that you kind of you need to cherry pick the water and, and find those deeper winter water holes. But, but usually when you get in those spots, once you catch one, you're apt to catch quite a few because they're quite congregated. Any particular presentation on the Arkansas for these next couple of weeks that if you find those pods seems to be more effective than others? Well, I think that a really typical uh, winter rig would be a two nymph um, kind of deep deep water nymphing rig leading off with a golden stonefly nymph that's a great sort of meat and potatoes type of attractor pattern for uh, the arkansas river and particularly this time of year and then a little striated midge pattern uh midge larva behind that a great example would be uh, a zebra midge now we're going to start seeing some really nice warm weather here in the next few weeks and it even tends to get a little warmer. The Arkansas covers a lot of elevations, so a lot of parts down there even get warmer. So I know you mentioned you're going to start seeing some hatches start. So we get out in a couple of weeks. Are, are you going to start approaching the river differently then? That's right. You know, historically, we've referred to our Blue Wing Olive Mayfly hatch as the St. Patrick's Day hatch. So typically somewhere between March 15th and March 20th in a normal year is when you're going to start seeing uh, these daily nymphal drifts in the afternoon so you've got mature nymphs that are that are drifting on the current if the if it's bright sun you're probably going to do better just um, nymphing but you can nymph in the riffles in pretty quick water if it's cloudy 
uh, you're much more apt to get a hatch. And so then you're getting these terrific mayfly hatches from around 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And that that brings fish to the surface. And, again, that that is sort of the the motivating event that, that causes the trout to say, okay, it's summer's coming. It's worth it for me to move out of this winter water now and take up a more of an active feeding position in kind of the pocket water along the shorelines and seam lines through uh, up throughout the river corridor. Now, you anticipate, now we've had some different snowfalls over the last couple of years. Do you anticipate the water levels or the flows affecting the fishing this year? Well, you know, every year we see variety of, of flows in the Arkansas and how the runoff comes. But what we what we are seeing this year, we, we do have a below average snowpack in the upper Arkansas basin so far. And we have above, um, we have drier than normal uh, soil moisture conditions. So we are anticipating at this time about an 80% stream flow for the year. And so that equates to typically a, a shorter runoff period uh, in late May and June. And um, really more optimal flow conditions for brown trout specifically. We found that uh, current velocity is probably the biggest factor that inhibits trout growth on the Arkansas River. And so when you do have moderate flow years, the fish respond really well. And you've had a couple of those. I would assume that fishery is in excellent health. It's doing great. You know, 2018 and 2020 as probably everyone recalls, we're, we're just dry years in Colorado, and we certainly, don't, uh, we certainly don't pray for drought or anything, but the silver lining of drought in this valley is it does definitely help the fishery. And um, so a year where you've got average to slightly below average flows, is you're going to see a good response in terms of trout growth. And so having uh, had several of these years in recent years, that those growth periods echo throughout a trout's life and lead to, you know, bigger overall size at each stage of their life. That's awesome. And it's such an awesome river to fish. And there's so much walk, wade, and at times floating available that you can approach it so many ways. There's one, before we talk about your place and how people can get a hold of you, there's one more hatch that comes up that it, it actually had diminished for quite some time. It's called the Mother's Day hatch. But it really, if you waited to fish it, even when it was in its heyday till Mother's Day, you missed it. But that was that caddis hatch. What are you looking for this year as far as timing and intensity? Well, I think the timing, you know, it, it generally starts at the lower elevations, like down towards Canyon City around April 15th and peaks in the Salida area last week of April, first part of May. It is um, the, the hatch has totally, or I should say the caddisfly population that um, that generates this hatch has, has completely recovered uh, from the population crash that it experienced in 2008-2009. Uh, and uh, we, we saw a tremendous amount of bugs last year. Unfortunately, we were closed due to the whole COVID situation, but uh, our guides were out there fishing every day, and it, it was uh, spectacular. So we're expecting the same thing this year, strong hatch uh, with the caddis sort of t- following the blueing olive hatch that starts in a couple weeks. Yeah, because it, it really, if you just wait till Mother's Day, you've almost missed it, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, second Sunday of May, that's typically, if you've got bugs still coming off, they're probably clear up in the Buena Vista area. And so you've missed that hatch making its way upstream for, you know, the better part of four weeks at that point. 
Greg, why don't you tell people about your operation, what you have to offer, and how people could get a hold of you, whether they want more fishing advice or a guide trip, or they just need to buy some flies when they come down. Absolutely, Terry. So Arc Anglers is the uh, really the, the primary fly fishing shop and guide service on the upper Arkansas River. We have fly shops in Salida and Buena Vista, right on the main highways. We guide from Leadville clear down to the Pueblo Tailwater and over in South Park on the South Platte. And then we hit the high lakes of the San Isabel National Forest as well. The, uh, the shops are open seven days a week, starting real soon. Um, and we are there really, our number one goal is to just help people have a great experience on the Arkansas River. And uh, with that, we've got the all the equipment, all the flies and terminal tackle guide service and a, a great website, arcanglers.com. And that's ARC with a K. Um, we have regularly updated fishing reports there, usually daily in the spring. And you can always call us at 719-539-4223. So I would think with a lot of the new people who've got out and probably a lot of them, a lot of older people when they take up fishing later in life tend to migrate towards fly fishing. Hopefully you're looking forward to a, a good uh, a good participation from people and we'll get them out in one of the greatest resources in the country. And that's the Arkansas river. And you can help them with that at arc anglers. Thank you, Greg, for joining us today. You bet. Thanks a lot for having me, Terry. You bet. That's Greg felt from arc anglers, great people and really on top of things. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Nate Zolinski will join us and he's always fun to listen to on Terry Wickstrom outdoors on one Oh four, three, the fan.